The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 175 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director for Wealth Builders, joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Chris. You know, I feel like the Argentinian football team at the moment. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very messy. <laughs> it looks a bit empty behind you there. Yeah, yeah. I'm in boxes, right? So, um, you know, just 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 because life is full of changes and this big change for me is, uh, well, for the first time in just give or take 30 years, I've lived in my home, raised a family uh, for 30 years in the same place. My kids have all grown up here and uh, we're on the move. So, um, yeah, my wife and I are um, kind of side-sizing, putting ourselves in the middle of our family, you know, with grandkids now. So so they can pop in, my wife says, as long as they can pop. So I've got a, a pop of a place, you know, so they can pop in with grandkids running around the place. So, um Looking forward to that and to be able to stroll into a nice quiet town that we very much like in Surrey. So uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, I'm all in boxes, as I say, yeah. very busy at the moment. Well, we, we always say that change is spurred by a catalyst. And I suppose that catalyst is uh, the birth of grandchildren, which uh, yeah. is, is a nice one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very much. And, you know, catalyst is in, an important ingredient in wealth building too. And um, we believe that everybody who gets one, if it's fundamentally important and it's deep and it has solid roots, then your wealth building is likely to sustain challenges. Um, and, uh, you know, we lay down roots here for 30 years and um, kids grown and gone and it's been a joy. And I think um, it'll be, there'll be a touch of, of kind of sadness and pathos as we, as we move um, the next uh, week or so. And uh, but looking forward to to something new and to more celebrations with uh, an even bigger family. Yeah, yeah. Well, next podcast will be in a new location, but uh, yes. same format from us. And uh, today we're focusing on pillar number five of our seven pillars of wealth, and that's the business pillar. And mm-hmm. we've got our guest uh, who is the founder of a company called BigIdea.co.uk, and that's John Lamerton. So uh, John's got a lot to say, and specifically around designing a business that's all about freedoms, really, you know, designing a lifestyle that is what you want. And often a business drags you into what it wants, right, and demands your time, and you just become a busy, yeah. busy person. Well, exactly right. I mean, I think for many business owners, they, they have a catalyst. They, they want to do something, and then the web starts spinning. And then before long, they get trapped in the very web of their own making. And as a result, as John will no doubt explain the challenges and the frustrations of of people who get caught in that trap and end up in many cases not being either particularly well paid or getting a brilliant work-life balance. And that's a, a big challenge. So I think his message is fundamentally about don't get the life your business gives you, you get the life you choose to have. And he makes some very good observations that are really truly in keeping with wealth builder values, wealth builder principles, wealth builder applications. So look out for those, uh, you listeners out there. See if you can spot the wealth builder parallels and we'll try and draw those out as we usually do, Chris, at the end. But this is a big week, not just for me 
terms of moving, but uh, we've got a brand new intake, haven't we, into the Wealth Builders Academy. So that should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you want to be part of that intake, or certainly just come and find out a bit more about what we do inside the Wealth Builders Academy, we're holding a live webinar tonight, actually. So if you're tuned in on the day of release of this podcast, which is Wednesday, the 23rd of November, 2022, then join us. There's still time to register. And uh, Kevin and I will be walking through our nine-step recurring revenue roadmap and showing you exactly how we help our members move from financial insecurity to financial independence within five years. So head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash academy webinar, and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm. All right. So time now for our conversation with John Lamerton. John, very warm welcome to Wealth Talk today. How are you? Oh, fantastic, Christian. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to really dig into all the principles of business today and understand your story and, and how you work with business owners. And I love the simplicity that you bring to business, John. And um, you're an author. You've got three books out there. You've got a big idea, Routine Machine, Evergreen Assets, your podcast host, The Ambitious Lifestyle Business. And you've also got your own coaching group, The 1% Club. So you're, um, I won't say you're a busy man because you value your lifestyle, right? And, and, and really, I think today's topic is, you know, how is it possible to have a lifestyle business and also create wealth? So uh, let's begin there then, John. Definitely. My, the opening line, by the way, of my very first book, Big Ideas for Small Businesses, was a Tim Crider quote. And it was, I hate being busy. I'm the laziest, ambitious person I know. And that, I think, just sums me up in a nutshell. Um, I, I do. I hate being busy. I hate spinning plates i hate demands on my time but i'm also really ambitious and i've got a lot of growth and i want to drive my business forward and i want to generate wealth but i don't want to be busy while i do it if that makes sense it's it's a bit of a dichotomy isn't it yeah and um you've got over 20 years experience in business john so it's uh, something that's close to your heart and um i you know common belief, I guess, out there is that if you've got a lifestyle business that you're not really making any money, that you're quite small. But is that the case? It's In hindsight, I would say no. I used to believe that. So I used to really, really look down my nose at lifestyle business owners. Um, it was this idea that if you've got a lifestyle business, it's not a real business. And I, I used to be the, the hustler, the 100-hour-a-week work. I used to be busy. I used to actually just work harder because I was a former civil servant. I quit my job to run an internet marketing business and I started having some success. The more success I had, the more success I wanted. And when I was in my 20s, I decided very, very quickly that I wanted a big business. I wanted to be a multi-millionaire. I would look at the likes of Richard Branson Alan Sugar, and I would emulate these guys. I say that these guys are billionaires. That's where I'm heading. And it was only, I think it was a moment where just after I had kids and I was sat in an MOT garage reading Alan Sugar's autobiography, what you see is what you get. And at the time I thought, right, I need to study what at the time Sir Alan did back in the kind of seventies, because this is the stage I'm at in my business. I'm emulating Amstrad. What do I need to do? And this line leapt out at me. I never really saw my kids much when they were growing up. And just honestly, Christian, in that moment, 
I felt, oh, John, you've got it all wrong. This isn't what you want. You don't really want the helicopter and the yacht and the country manor. You want to be there for this little child who's just come into your world and is now the centre of your entire life. And so I thought, well, what I do want then is a lifestyle business. But that was still rattling around my brain. Lifestyle businesses are not real businesses. And at the time, it was um, Peter Jones on Dragon's Den was my go-to because I'm going to be like Peter Jones. I'm going to, Once I've made it and I've got a big pile of money, I'm just going to sit there kind of deciding who gets my money and who doesn't. And there was this line that Peter Jones would often use, and he'd say to an entrepreneur that's pitched on Dragon's Den, this isn't a real business. This You're just playing at this. This is just a lifestyle business. So I had that in my brain. Lifestyle businesses are not real businesses. So what do I do? Do I grow the big business and not see my children? Or do I give up on running a real business and have a lifestyle business? Well, it was actually a, a completely chance meeting with another of the dragons. And it was Doug Richard, who was probably none of the listeners remember Doug Richard. He was on like season two. One year, he was um, he was an American tech investor. And I met Doug and Doug said, lifestyle businesses are more profitable than the so-called real businesses that Peter Jones talks about. He says, the businesses that Peter's interested in they're focused on top line. They're focused on turnover. He said, they want, or he said, Peter wants 100 million turnover. He said, I don't care what your turnover is. He said, because if, you, if you're a, a real business and you're focused on the top line, you need to turn over 100 million to make 1 million. He said, if I'm running a small lifestyle business, he said, I can get 50% margin. I could get 60% margins. I only need to turn over 2 million to earn the same amount of money. He said, I'm focused on the bottom line. Lifestyle businesses are more profitable. And that was, I think for me, the permission to actually do this and to choose a lifestyle business. And this is why, and I, as you said, the, the podcast is called Ambitious Lifestyle Business. I had to add that word ambitious because I wanted to make it very clear. And this was initially just to me and just to my team. I, I went back, I ripped up everyone's contracts. And I said, we are now an ambitious lifestyle business. We work from home. We work hours that suit ourselves. We do work that we want to do, but we have ambition. We want to grow this business. We want to, we're not quite Steve Jobs making a dent in the universe, but we want to make a huge dent in our world, in our universe, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does completely. And um, just to help our listeners, you know, understand kind of what qualifies you to be sharing all of this. You talked about your business there, but, you know, just give us a potted history of some of the businesses you've been involved in and, and kind of, you know, what, you're, what you spend your weeks on at the moment as well. Yeah, definitely. So I've been involved in 60 small businesses um, over the last couple of decades very, very varied business. So um, travel sector, um, serviced office accommodation, floristry. Uh, what else have we done? Uh, we've told football fans where they can get the best pies 
Uh, a lot of information marketing. That's really our go-to is info marketing businesses. Um, I've got a sports betting business, a coaching business, and obviously now writing books as well. So it's it's been a wide wide range of businesses over the years. We've had some physical retail businesses. We've had premises. Um, I've done some angel investments. So actually, I I was uh, a dragon on a certainly very, very small scale, local scale. So we've actually invested in a uh, mortgage brokerage as well. Ultimately, though, I decided, and this was the big kind of light bulb moment for me, uh, not long after the Alan Sugar moment, was I was also emulating Richard Branson. And what does Richard Branson do? Richard Branson uh, owns, a, or originally owned a record company uh, and an airline and a mobile phone network and a radio station and a bridal wear shop and a wine business. So that was the person I was emulating. So I thought, right, I need to own a floristry shop and I need to own a sex toy website whilst telling people where they can get the best um, hotels in the south of Portugal. It's, it was scattergun, it was random, and it worked for a while. But what did that lead to? That led to me being very, very busy. <laughs> and I think I didn't mind being busy pre-kids, but the minute the children came along, the priority change of what I wanted out of life changed, I think. Yeah. And um, how does the term lifestyle business compare to what some people may have heard as portfolio lifestyles? For me, I've got what I call my ideal job description. And there was a little exercise I went through many, many years ago. And this this chap said, right, I want you to write down what your perfect job description would be. Now, at this point, I've been running a business for about 10 years. I don't, I certainly don't want a job. Um, if I did, what would it look like? And he said, no, no, just play along, be good. So I went, okay, right, what can I write this down? So I wrote down, I want to do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want, if I want. And that, at the time, when I first did it, I thought it's really flippant. It's just me going, I just want complete freedom over everything. Every aspect of my job will be under my control. And that stuck with me. And it's 10 years now, and I still use that ideal job description. What I want, when I want, where I want, when I want, how I want, if I want. And I always repeat more than one of them. I don't think there's probably six things in there. <laughs> but that job description accurately, you can sum it up in one word, freedom. And to me, that is what a lifestyle business is. If you are, in my mind, if you are the, the majority shareholder in your business, you have a lifestyle business because you have the power to choose what your lifestyle is like. If you want to choose... Ferraris and country estates and helicopters and yachts, absolutely great. But your lifestyle is probably going to involve quite a lot of leverage, quite a lot of risk, quite a lot of hard work. Um, if you, if the lifestyle you truly want is a quiet life where no one ever bothers you, if you're the majority shareholder, that's under your control to shape that. But I, I see so many business owners who they get the lifestyle that their business lets them have. They don't 
take any control over the business to deliver the lifestyle. They just think, they automatically go, well, the business has to be bigger. We have to grow the business. If we've done half a million this year, we've got to do 600,000 next year. They, they think that has to happen. If we've got 10 members of staff, 12 is better than 10. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah. I published a book in 2018. It's called Sack Your Boss, The Ultimate Guide to Escaping oh, Your 9 to 5. And, and I shared in there everything that I'd learned from transitioning from employee to building a brand and, and my own business. And, and I mentioned in there that a trap that many people find themselves in when they make that transition is working twice the amount of hours for half the amount of pay. And yeah. how does someone avoid that then, John, from the beginning? I think it's being deliberate about what is the lifestyle you want. And it is very, very difficult because as business owners, we get caught up in, and it's this, um, you know, the dilemma when you first start a business, someone will come along to you and say, can you do this? And you just immediately go, yes, yes, we can do that. We'll figure out how to do it a little bit later, but we'll just say yes to everything. And this is the problem is in the early days of running a business, you find yourself saying yes to everything. And if you don't stop saying yes to everything, eventually you end up a busy fool who is completely stretched. So for me, it's about knowing what your ideal job description is first. What does the lifestyle you want look like? Um, I'll give you a, a quick example. My wife, I managed to get her to quit her job. Uh, it took me about 15 years of nagging and eventually we got it about three years ago. She quit her job and she started her own tutoring business of so tutoring kids. And she started off with a very, very clear vision of what she wanted. And within about nine months, she'd gone past that point and was suddenly looking to just make more money and just, I'll take on more clients and I'll launch another business or I'll take on another premises here. And, and eventually she said, oh, why am I doing this? This isn't what I wanted. This isn't why I quit my job. I quit my job so that I had the freedom. I could make a difference in kids' lives. I could actually craft the business around. So we homeschool our two children, school runs, uh, elderly parents, everything like that. This is why the business exists. And when was the last time as business owners, you actually said to yourself, why does my business exist? You know, it, it, my business exists purely to fund my lifestyle, both in monetary terms, but also in fulfillment and time. It needs to give me the time freedom to say, I don't work half terms. Uh, I, I can do the school runs three times a week. I've got Friday afternoon where if the sun is shining, I can go and play golf. That is the freedom I need my business to have. And it's being deliberate from the very, very start. Why does your business exist? And how is, how is your business going to fund your lifestyle? And that flows quite nicely into the concept of the actual hourly rate, which we've talked about before. Do you mind just explaining that, John? <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. So as employees, we're used to being paid an hourly rate. And obviously, if, you, if you're freelancing or you're running a business, you may well charge yourself out at a particular rate. But I'm, 
I'm always interested, and this is where optimizing for lifestyle makes a big difference for me because I'm interested in what you actually earn per hour. I speak to business owners and they say, oh, I bill myself out at £100 an hour. So that's great. Um, do you earn £100 for every hour that you spend in your business? Uh, I, th- I think so. Okay. So an hour spent surfing Instagram or just browsing LinkedIn. Well, no, that, that's probably not £100. Okay. What about when you're diving into your email inbox? Oh, no, it's probably not £100 either. What about the bookkeeping that you do? Oh, I don't earn anything for that. Okay. So what do you actually earn for an average hour? And what I did there was I take three numbers. So how much money did you actually take out of your business last year? Because business owners are very, very keen to tell me that they bill £100 an hour. Well, that's how much the, the company earns. Lovely. Great. The company made £100 pre-costs, pre-overheads, pre-corporation tax. What do you actually take out of the business? A lot of business owners I speak to are the worst paid person in the company. So number one, how much money do you actually take out of the business last year? So I want to know the whole year. This gives us the the macro view, the big helicopter view. What did you take out last year? Secondly, how many hours a week do you or did you work last year on average? Again, I don't want to know that on a good week, I only do 35 hours. Yeah, but what about the three weeks where you did 120 hours? What What's the actual average? And then secondly, how many weeks do you actually work? How many complete weeks off away from your business do you spend? And I'm not talking about a holiday where the laptop goes with you and you just do a couple of hours every morning and you're always on the other end of the phone just in case there's any problems and you're just checking in a few times throughout the day. That is not a complete break from your work. What we then do is we take the amount of money you've earned in a year, we divide it by the number of hours you actually worked in a year and we, we work out the actual hourly rate how much you actually earn divided by how much you actually, uh, how much attention you actually gave to your business. And the number you get from that, and I've, I've put a calculator on my website to make it kind of easy to work out, but that number can be very, very enlightening. Um, my take on this is that you should be embarrassed to tell anybody what your actual hourly rate is in a good way, because that number should be excessively high for most people it's not though it's actually embarrassingly low and that is actually the reason that my wife quit her job is we put her teaching earnings in how much she actually took out of teaching divided by how many hours she actually worked in a week um by the way she was a part-time teacher so she was scheduled to work three days a week which is what about 25 26 hours a week she was doing 60 hours a week. Part-time, she was working 60 hours a week. So she was on a headline, decent salary, but she was working 60 hours a week. We, we ended up, and her actual hourly rate was something like £8.52 an hour. And at that moment, I opened up a new tab and I went to a jobs website. <laughs> I pointed out to her, oh, look, I said, there's a job here that doesn't need a teaching degree. <laughs> Sorry, just chewy by cockapoo barking in the background there. It doesn't need a teaching degree. 
it doesn't need two year, two decades of experience. It's an entry level job at McDonald's, and you can earn nine pound fifty an hour doing that one. <laughs> and that was the catalyst for her to say, "Oh my god, I need to get out of here and do my own thing." Yeah, reality check, which I'm sure if you know a lot of business owners went through that process, they would have uh, an equal shock. Um, so I guess the question is, John, and I know it's a big question, but if you're working with a business owner who realizes that they're you know spending far too much time uh, and not enough return, what are some of the, the core things that you would begin with? Where would you start and say, these are some high impact changes you can make right now to start changing that? Yeah. So the first area I would look at is where are you investing your time? We're all investors. Whether we are investing money, whether we're investing time, whether we're investing energy, headspace, focus, attention, whatever, we have a finite amount of resources to invest. So where are you spending your time? If you've worked out your actual hourly rate is a pittance, then there's two factors to that equation, how much you earn and how much time you're taking to earn that money. So where is your time going, first and foremost? And a lot of business owners are wasting a lot of time on activities that do not generate the revenue. And there's a reason, I, I, obviously, I really appreciate this is an audio podcast, but those that are watching the video will see there's a bookcase behind me. One of the forward-facing books on that shelf is Richard Koch's book, The 80-20 Principle. I must reference 80-20 thinking on a daily basis. Anytime I speak to business owners, I literally, I've come off a call this morning with a business owner and I've said, look, you need to 80-20 your client list because you've got clients who pay you £500 a year and you've got clients who pay you £5,000 a year and you're giving them the same attention. You need to actually channel what you do towards the minority of work that brings in the majority of the income. When I first created my lifestyle business, my ambitious lifestyle business, and I said, right, I'm going to change everything. I've gone from 120 hours a week to about 25 hours a week. And that started with my, he's 14 nearly now. So he was a baby and he was going into nursery. I was going to be sharing daddy daycare, school runs, everything like that. And I said to myself, right, John, you've only got roughly 20% of the time available to you. So I was familiar with the 80-20 principle. And I said, right, I'm just going to do the 20% of tasks that bring in 80% of my revenue. If I just do that, I know I can live on 80% of my revenue. I know that. What actually happened was my revenue went up because suddenly I cut stuff out. And this, this is the this is the thing that business owners don't get. I mentioned earlier, when you first start in business, you say yes to everything. Once you get past a certain stage, you need to say no to everything. No needs to be your default answer. There's another book on this shelf, which you can't see because it's just behind me, but it's Derek Sivers' book, and it's called Hell Yeah or No. And this, for me now, is my default mindset. If this opportunity if this piece of work, if this business is not a hell yeah, I absolutely have to do this. This presses all of my buttons. It fires me up and it is insanely profitable. Then the answer is no. And the answer has to be no, because I have a finite amount of time to invest 
in any project. That is such an important lesson. And thanks for the reminder, because it's so easy to get dragged into, uh, you know, the tasks, the, the busyness of uh, every day. Right. And, um, you know, Wealth Builders, we've been following for a couple of years now the EOS system, which is oh, explained yeah. in the book traction and um, we encourage our members as well to break down their annual goals into 90 day rocks and i've seen a blog post from you john that's titled why 90 days is the goldilocks of goal setting so can you expand on that for us please (laughs) absolutely so i discovered the beauty of 90 day planning probably about eight years ago now and literally as as we're mentioning here I have all my old 90-day goals (laughs) in a folder here. And it's amazing to see what is possible because for me, 90 days is the Goldilocks. It is just right. What most people do is they set themselves an annual goal. New Year's Eve comes around. Next year, I'm going to finally lose all that weight. I'm going to double my business. I'm going to start property investment journey. I'm going to absolutely smash it next year. And then, I don't know, the mid, middle of January comes around and they say, well, I don't need to start yet because I've got the whole year to worry about this, this, this goal. And then April comes around and they, they've done a few bits towards it, but I've still got plenty of time. It's fine. Not to, not to worry. Then they come back from the summer holidays and it's September and they still haven't really moved things forward. And now they start thinking to themselves, well, I'm never going to achieve all that in just three months, am I? So the goal is too big. The timeline is too big. 90 days, however, that's three months from now. So I always like to imagine, and I told a story the other day about, has anyone ever heard a story about a magic genie? So imagine you're up in the attic or you're in your storeroom and you find this little lamp, you give it a rub, a genie pops out and says, hey, Christian, I'm going to give you three wishes. And... You can have any three wishes you like, but I know know what you business owners are like, so I'm going to give you a few caveats. Number one, whatever you wish for must be realistic, okay? I cannot make you three inches taller, okay? I cannot double your net worth, but as long as you make me a reasonable request, I will grant it to you. Number two, you won't get the actual wishes until 90 days from now. And number three, I need you to do a little bit of work just so that all these other people don't think it's magic, okay? Do you agree to those rules? Brilliant. What we will do then, here's give the little magic lamp a rub. Give me your three wishes. Three months later, as long as you just do this little bit of work, they will come true. And ultimately, that's all 90-day plans are. It's making, in my mind, three choices. Three goals that you're going to focus on for the next three months. It's it's a little sprint. You know, we can all focus for a short period of time. But 90 days is also long enough that you can do something meaningful. I've written a small book in 90 days. I've launched a brand new business in 90 days. I've overhauled one of our processes in 90 days. I've sorted my investment strategy in 90 days. And this is this very clear focus for a three-month period, a three-month gap. We're going to focus on this. I'm going to make these wishes. 
the genie's gonna give me those three wishes and then guess what i get another three wishes in 90 days time yeah yeah completely on board with that 90 day rule as well those 90 day sprints and um also something i think we both agree on very much is the importance of community and surrounding yourself with like-minded people and uh, i know you've been part of masterminds and, and focus groups and of course you now run those for your own members but uh you know just what how much of a difference does it make? Because we see so many business owners and people when they're building wealth, you know, really feeling isolated and on their own. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's one of the one of the biggest reasons we have built the community that we have is we, from the very, very beginning, we were very clear on the type of person we wanted in our community. We wanted genuine people who would look out for their fellow community members. And... Time and time again, we you know, we grow up with our marketing and we say, right, join our community and we'll give you some education, we'll give you some knowledge, we'll give you some resources, we'll help you grow your business, we'll help you improve your business. And then time and time again, we speak to them six months later and, they, and we say to them, what's the greatest thing you've had as a result of joining our, our club? And they say, oh, it's the community. It's the people. It is that when I'm having a really, really crap day, it's a safe space where I can go, do you know what? Things are crap. Things are awful right now. Um, there's, there's a story I, I, I tell a few of our members. I was I was part of a networking group probably about 10 years ago. Actually, no, it was a bit longer than that because it was the global financial crisis, 2008. And I was at a conference and I met a friend of mine. Um, and you had that usual thing, hi, John, how's business? And I immediately went, Oh, it's absolutely, yeah, brilliant, mate. Great. How about you? And I didn't even get to ask him how he was before he would went, liar. He said, you're, you're an absolute liar, you are. He said, what do you mean things are all right? I said, no, you're right. They're, they're absolutely shocking, mate. I can't say, you know, I, I'm, I'm like crying myself to sleep at night. I really am. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? And that's the, the atmosphere, the environment that I wanted to create within our club was everything's not sunshine and roses. If you are a business owner, and particularly if you're a lifestyle business owner, no one, no one else understands. No one else knows what it's like. And yeah, we've all been there where you've, you've had you know, a, a client, something's gone wrong, you've made a mistake, and you, or you've lost a client, and you just you really feel like, who's going to understand? You go home and you tell your partner, and they're like, oh, well, that's fine, but they don't understand because they're not a business owner. Who do you celebrate your wins with? Who do you commiserate with? Who will actually understand when you offload? Um, and it's weird because I, I see myself as a very kind of analytical spreadsheet, you know, logical guy who, when I created the Wombsay Club, it was, ne- it was never about community and, you know, giving people an arm around the shoulder, but that is the greatest thing that people get from it. It's the greatest thing that I get from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's clear to see today from speaking with you, John, uh, lifestyle is a decision, right? And we decide what's right for us. What's right for us isn't necessarily right for the next person. And, 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 you know, that, you know, our seven pillars of wealth model that, you know, seven assets that you can use to generate recurring income and um, everyone's plan will be slightly different. And uh, you obviously love business, John. Why is business 
your favorite asset class and what are some of your thoughts on some of the other pillars that we have such as property and stock market cool so i would actually say that the stock market is my main pillar so although i'm best known for business i would say i take the earned income from business and i put it into the stock market to turn it into passive income so that i can do what i want when i want where i want how i want if I want the stock market is my vehicle to doing that. Um, I always, I've always classed myself as an investor. And I said earlier, we're all investors. So I think of myself not as a business owner primarily, but as an investor, I invest in businesses. I've invested in my podcast. I've invested in my personal brand. I've invested in creating books and yes, I've invested in property. Um, property is absolutely not for me. And as I said, it's it's. I'm not saying it's not a valid asset class. I have made money out of property, but it is not the truly passive asset that I would need it to be. I'm very actively involved in running businesses. And remember, I hate being busy. So when I have invested in property and I suddenly get a notification that one of my tenants has flooded the bathroom and the bathroom upstairs is now in the kitchen downstairs. I've, I suddenly have to drop things and resolve that problem. Um, I'm very much a, as I said just now a spreadsheet guy. So the idea of like analyzing a stock market investment when I was a teenager, all my friends had posters of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and girl with tennis ball on their walls. I had like, FTSE 250 price to earning ratios and Warren Buffett quotes. You know, I, I've always been like naturally drawn to the stock market. It is where I've certainly stored most of my wealth. I wouldn't necessarily say I've generated most of my wealth there, but I have cemented my wealth in the stock market. I've, I, I kind of fell in love with property. I think I fell in love with the idea of property. And when I tried it, the reality for me was this is going to lead to me being very, very busy. And actually, my actual hourly rate from property is very, very poor because the amount of money I generated, particularly in the early days of my property investment, wasn't very much. And my time investment, because I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> was very high. So actually, I looked at my actual hourly rate and thought, you know what, John, you're, you're better off building ambitious lifestyle businesses, creating um, assets such as the books, such as the podcast, and siphoning that money, channeling that money into the stock market. Um, yeah, I, I, I was at the gym the other day and I caught uh, an episode of Homes Under the Hammer. And if, if I'd seen that episode 10 years ago, I would have got jealous and I would have got, oh, I need to be doing this. Oh, look at that. These, these guys, oh, they're, they're making all the mistakes under the sun. It's really easy to make money in property. And now I watch that exact same episode and I go, you fools, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what lies in store. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting to hear that, John. Just one thing I want to pick up on. You mentioned like passive income from the stock market. Yep. Can you expand on that as to how you're generating an income from the market? So my, I'm with Warren Buffett on this. He says my preferred holding period is forever and I invest for the long term. So I am not 
drawing an income from my assets, but obviously I do receive a yield, I do receive dividends. At the moment, I'm choosing to reinvest those dividends. At a point whereby I decide I want to take an income from the stock market, I simply rebalance the portfolio. So I will look at, and again, I don't invest, uh, I know you've had Andrew Craig on the show, How to Own the World. I'm following his strategy. So I own funds primarily. I don't necessarily invest in individual stocks. So if I own a particular fund, I may, within that fund, own 200 companies. And it doesn't necessarily matter how Hewlett Packard does or Microsoft does or Facebook or Visa. There will be fluctuations within that, but I can just sell three units of the fund and take the income from that. The idea is I'm pound cost averaging in over, for me, it's been three decades and counting now, I can actually, I've got the growth long-term and then I can just rebalance the portfolio, take some out. There's obviously capital gains tax allowances. Anything with a nicer is tax-free as well. So it's very, it can be, it can be structured in a very tax-efficient way. But the beauty of um, labeling it, certainly within pensions and within ISAs, is that you can roll over your gains tax-free. You actually won't pay tax on any of your gains you can snowball those gains for decades and then just pay tax on what you take out. And again, so you can structure that in a tax-efficient way, making sure you use your capital gains tax allowance, your partner's capital gains tax allowance, your personal allowance, um, dividend allowance, everything like that can be structured in a very, very passive tax-efficient way. But it, it does require long-term thinking. This isn't, because I know, let's say with property, ultimately you could buy property, you could structure up your portfolio and you could take an income from that six months from now that isn't something you could necessarily do with the stock market obviously yes you could buy dividend yielding stocks you could buy you know there are stocks stocks are on sale at the moment shall we say so there's some very attractive yields appearing um i mean for example if you if you if you wanted nine percent per year completely passive um, with a 30-year um, guarantee, not guarantee, but I'm not guaranteeing stock market returns here, uh, but a 30-year back back history of 9% returns simply by Shell or BP, because both of those, if you just bought it 30 years ago and just did nothing with it, just held it, you would have made 9% per year. Not every year, religiously, predictably, but on average over those thir- three decades you'd average 9% return. Obviously, you can't leverage the stock market in the way that you can property. I know there's, there's pros and cons, but for me, the what I like to call sit on the arse investing <laughs> comes from the stock market. I don't want to be busy. Yeah. Diversification across multiple pillars is absolutely the way forward for building long-term wealth. And coming back to the business pillar then, John, one of the key elements we talk about is how to create recurring income in your business, that predictable cash flow. There's yeah. different ways to do this, different models, of course. And um, your most recent book, Evergreen Assets, perhaps is is tied in with that, how to create something once that's going to pay you over and over again. Absolutely, absolutely. The example I use in the introduction of this book is Noddy Holder. So we're all familiar with the Christmas song, Merry Christmas, Everybody, uh, Slade. Noddy Holder wrote that song um, actually in the 60s, 
Uh, it was a like flower power. Um, we wrote the melody for it. It became a Christmas song in 1973. The uh, Slade's manager came to the band and said, hey, we want to put together a Christmas song. Noddy went, okay, I've got this old like flower power track lying around. We'll, we'll chuck some Christmas words on it. Um, we'll head to New York in the hot, hot summer of 1973, and we'll pretend it's Christmas, and we'll just scream, it's Christmas! And we'll record this song. Great. Where are we now? 49 years later, Noddy Hoder still earns half a million pounds per year in royalties from that one song. Um, it was estimated something like 47% of the population of the planet have heard that song and probably will hear that song. And if this podcast comes out anywhere near Christmas, you will have heard it probably today. And if you haven't heard it today, you probably will hear it today. And the next time you hear it, just remember that Noddy Hoda has earned half a million quid per year for 50 years nearly as a result of one night's work writing a song. And that's the kind of assets that we're looking to create. You do the work once and you reap that reward again and again and again. You buy BP once, you get a dividend twice a year, every year. Yeah. And what might be some other examples within business or even your own examples, John, of some of those evergreen assets? Yeah. Again, this podcast is an evergreen asset. We're having this conversation once and 10 years from now, people can still find this podcast. They can still learn about us and what we do. You create a website, great, that's evergreen. People can find that website six months from now, six years from now. Um, the books that we create. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of evergreen products as well. So actually, what knowledge do you have in your head? Um, and I know you guys are key on this as kind of I, the IP pillar, aren't you? It's kind of what knowledge have you got there that you can package up as a framework and actually say, this is a, a course this is a membership. This is a mastermind. That's taking that kind of one idea. And I, you know, we've had some people, for example, in the um, kind of health and well-being space. They've created you know, an eating plan for keto. Great. They've made the plan once. They've packaged it up. They've sent it to a designer. They've turned it into a PDF. And they've created a you know, $9 ebook out of it. That has created an evergreen asset from one idea, one piece of knowledge that up until now was just in their head and they would get a client, pay them, give them the information. Great. Wait for the next client. No, no, no. This turns it now into an evergreen residual model. And it's that word residual again, you know, um, property investors are well, well aware of the term residual income, but I like to think of residual as thinking of like a frying pan. If you put a frying pan on the heat and you leave it there for 10 minutes and you turn the heat off, that frying pan has residual heat. That frying pan will stay hot for a good couple of minutes. It will still be warm to the touch 20, 25 minutes later. That's residual heat. And if we can get residual assets within our business, and I much prefer evergreen assets to residual assets, then we actually, again, this is about easing off. So for me, the evergreen assets is like the flywheel from Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. It's it's an ass, it's permanent assets that give you momentum in your business. My entire coaching business is built around 
these evergreen assets. So someone may discover me today as a result of this podcast. Or no, no, not today. Someone may discover me five years from now. They may subscribe to my podcast, which was done years ago. They may get an email from me, which was written two, three, four years ago. They then visit a website. That website I created, again, 18 months ago, two years ago. All of these assets, I've done the work already. And I don't need to be busy in the future doing that work again. That gives me momentum so that I can, so for now, for example, people are in in different stages within that ecosystem. Some people are just discovering my books. Some people have listened to 12 episodes of my podcast. Others have been on my mailing list for three years. But I'm free now to spend my days creating another evergreen asset. So I'm writing my next book. That's going to be another element into the ecosystem to bring more people in. Meanwhile, everyone else is already in the ecosystem, meaning I'm free to focus on the long term. And it's that idea again that I'm I'm not, I am busy, but I'm choosing to be busy. I'm working hard so that I don't have to work hard. Yeah, and working when you want, how you want, where you want. (laughs) If I want, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been so good speaking with you, John, and uh, lots of ideas firing off in my head as as, uh, I'm listening to you. But I guess just to kind of round things up is, is the why. Why? Is it important to have a lifestyle business? And again, looking at your website and some of your clients, some real impact, some life-changing, impactful reasons. You know, maybe you could just end by just sort of summarizing, you know, it's not just about getting the time, but what does that time allow you to do? How does it actually improve your life? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think most people, until they have some kind of, like epiphany or some kind of life-changing element happen in their life, they don't question it. Um, We, and there's one of the podcast episodes that I think you might have, you might have seen. We, we had a guy who was running a 5 million pound a year business and he came to one of our meetings and he looked really, really down. So mate, what's going on? And he went, do you know what? He said, I feel like just throwing it all in and going to walk dogs on the beach. And kind of most business coaches would have gone, ah, come on, mate. Come on, you're running a big business. You're award-winning. You're doing great. But I said to him, so why don't you then? And he went, oh, could, could I do that? Could I actually just walk away from this, this business? How, how would that work? And, well, if I did that, what would my days look like? And it was that sudden realisation. Again, I mentioned Doug Richard giving me permission to have a lifestyle business. So he needed that permission to say, you don't need to run the big business. You can actually run a more profitable, more enjoyable business that really lights you up. So he walked away from a £5 million business to become a dog walker. And I catch up with him again regularly now. He is He's in his element because he's more profitable run small lifestyle business, walking dogs on the beach every day than he was selling five million pounds worth of products every year. His hourly rate is about 10 times 
what it was because he's working about a quarter of the hours as well. And he's just so much happier. And we've got so many stories like this from our members who we've got, you know, the guy who was adamant he wanted to be a millionaire. And then we encouraged him to just go away and like live like the millionaire for a weekend. He said, I, I, I know what I want. I want to own some woodland and I want to have a nice little cottage in the woods. Cool. Go and spend a weekend in the cottage in the woods. He did that. He hated it. Absolutely hated it. So he could have worked for the next decade to earn the money, to become a millionaire, to buy the woods only to discover that he hated it. And eventually we figured out, what do you need? He said, actually, uh, I need five grand a month profit, 60 grand a year. He said, oh my God. He said, I thought I needed a million pounds in the bank and actually I just need 60 grand a year. And he said, and the best thing is I'm 80% of the way there. He said, I, I know what I need to do to get there. And I know what that lifestyle is going to bring me. Um, so many of our members we, we bring in and uh, we had a guy who joined um, just as COVID hit. And the first thing he said to me is, um, I, this guy's run, running a multi-million pound business. He's got 25 employees. Again, award-winning, running a very big business. Wasn't making any money for himself out of that business, but the business was doing great. And he said to me, the first thing he said was, I'm going to treble the business in the next three months and you're going to help me do it. Um, fast forward like three years now and he's like, oh my God, what was I thinking? We actually shrunk his business. And this is what we do with a lot of our members is we shrink their business because it's not about a bigger business. It's about a better business. We are all about improving the business. And primarily we're about doing that so that the business owners lifestyle improves why why do you want a better business and it may be that you need a bigger business it may be that you want to scale up maybe that you want a two million pound exit but as long as you know why what is it all for what are you going to do with that money what are you going to do with your life what are you going to do with your days yeah that all ties back to that 80 20 rule again i think doesn't it yeah absolutely yeah yeah. John, it's been fantastic speaking with you today. Thanks so much for sharing all of your experience and your your ideas. And there's so many more online through your podcast, your books, your videos. Where's the where's the quickest, best place for people to head to if they want to follow you? The best place is the website. It's bigidea.co.uk. You can find links to all of my books. There's a free chapter of each of my books there. So you can see all the free chapters. Uh, the podcast link to the one. Uh, links to even my LinkedIn. You can get in touch and have a chat with me on there as well. Sounds great. John, thanks so much. Looking forward to catching up with you again really soon. Good stuff there from John. Enjoyed that conversation as always. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some lessons we can pull out, Kevin. Before we do that, let's pull out a review. So I'm going to head to Trustpilot. And of course, we've hit that 200 mark now. So we're over 200 five-star reviews. Absolutely chuffed to bits. And thank you so much for everyone that's taken time over the last couple of years to leave a review. And uh, this week's review is from Elitza, who's been a member with us for a while. And Elitza says, I've been a member of the Wealth Builders Academy for just over a year now. I highly recommend the program because of all the support you get, the clear roadmap to follow and the built-in accountability. Sometimes we all need a little kick to get going. Having a coach has made a huge difference. I have the accountability I need to take action and the confidence that I'm taking the right actions. 
Big thank you to my coach, John Dale, who keeps me on track. And a big thank you to the team for their personal approach and all the help and support they provide and for building an amazing community where people genuinely want to help each other. Well, Chris, I'm I'm always humbled by those reviews. And of course, John, John Dale was went through the program and he's been a, a guest himself when he said, you know, at the beginning, he didn't think anybody could coach him to do better. So now he's coaching others to do that. And I think we all need some guidance uh, along the way because I think you ably explained with John that sometimes business owners and, and often employed people as well can feel somewhat isolated in their wealth building plan because they're the only person doing it. Uh, and often there's conflicts and, and confusion within a family as well. And, and definitely, you definitely want to don't, don't talk to friends if they don't share the same ambition as you because they'll say, you think you're doing what? You know, so that you need that environment of like-minded people on the same journey. So we're pleased and proud of how we build that community up, Chris. And um, I think John makes some observations that he's trying to do the same thing. It's a slightly different message, a slightly different way. But I particularly like the incremental thing that John stands for, which is, I mean, his, his other business is the, or his community's 1% club, which is making tiny, 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 tiny changes, but weekly, which I think is in keeping with the Wealth Builder message, which is never let 30 days go by without making a decision that uh, can impact positively on your wealth. And I think we're saying the same thing, but just saying it in a slightly different way. And I love that when somebody says the same thing as we're saying, but just with a different twist on it. It shows that we're coming from the same angle with the same principles and the same integrity. So, uh, yeah, I particularly like that from John, but you pulled out a whole sack load of, of different <laughs> benefits. I felt like it was Christmas, Chris. There's so <laughs> many gifts coming out, out of that one. It, it, it soon will be. Um, no, I think just carrying on from your point there, and John was saying, you know, it's not always about growing and being bigger, but just improving. And often a smaller business, a lifestyle business, um, can be more profitable. Um, you know, companies that are making multi-millions, you know, when you look at the turnover and then you look at the profit, it can often be a big gap. But in a smaller business, the margins can be much higher. So, you know, bigger is not necessarily always better. Yeah, and I think it's more about the lifestyle. I think you made that point, didn't he? That if you know that you can generate a profit doing the work you love to do, again, very similar to our freedoms, the, you know, what do you want to do, when, with who, how do you want to do it, where do you want to do it, and if you want to do it so you can say no, and he talked about saying no instead of saying yes as the default. I think these are all valuable things. But wealth building is an incremental process. We often refer to it as, turning the wheel, which is like turning the cogs on a crankshaft. You have to go from one to two, from two to three. You can't go from a standing start to seventh in a vehicle because you'll you crash and burn. You know, the engine will fall out. You can't do that in the engine being you. So you have to take things very gradually, very slowly. So I think he makes that uh, point very well. Yeah. And of course, we always talk about diversification. Focus your way to security. So that might be one pillar or two pillars and then that gives you the breathing space, gives you more time to focus on other pillars. And, and John talked about uh, the investing list, the stock market. And of course, we had Andrew Craig on last week's episode, the author of How to Own the World, talking all about the stock market. Um, but again, you know, John's saying he builds up his preference, right? Because we all have different, um, different plans. We're following the same roadmap, but everyone's plan is different. And, and John's is to 
build profitable businesses, and then take some of that profit, put that into the stock market for the long-term compounding and the tax-free wrappers that obviously he mentioned as well. Yeah, and that's a perfectly good plan. And I know he's been doing it for a very long time. So it's a good plan for a long time, very difficult plan for a short time. So if you come at the wealth building process and you've got five to seven years, you're not going to make it in the stock market. It's just not possible to do that unless you learn different strategies to create an income from that, whether it's through trading options, whether it's through a high focus on dividends, whether it's property related in terms of REITs and other things. Um, so there's there's lots of different tactics you can apply to to focus on the income, but that's a long-term plan. It wouldn't be my favorite plan for someone starting off, you know, with a with a limited time frame, but talk someone who's 30, it's a, it's a good long-term plan. Uh, short-term plan, not necessarily mine. But then, as you said, we're all driving a different vehicle on the same road to the same proximate destination because everybody's outcome is different. And the vehicles we choose can be different. And that's why I like wealth building so much because everybody chooses a slightly different way of achieving their version of what wealth looks like for them. Yeah. So we really like John's message. And uh, thanks again to John for sharing with us today. And again, if you're listening and uh, it's the day of release of this podcast, then there's still time to jump on tonight with Kevin and myself. And uh, we will be showing you exactly how you can put in place your own plan to reach financial independence within the next five years. And that could be a plan that you could start with us at the start of 2023 and uh, make next year your best year yet. So we'd love to see you there. Head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash academy webinar and register and jump on. And uh, yeah, we will look forward to seeing you later, hopefully. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. A whole different uh, location for me and a whole different background. As so many people have seen my kind of normal background, that's going to be different, but it's going to be the same old geezer with the same old message, with the same old youngster, you keeping me on track. So until then, my friend, See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build, and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership. <laughs>